0: Hello and welcome into another episode of the Calcio Connection Podcast, connecting with you Italian football fans from all over the world. Man, I got a pep in my step again. Inter actually in pozza fashion get a victory over Borussia Mönchengladbach. Three to two was a nail biter. You had an equalizing goal disallowed late. I think rightly disallowed and Inter are actually still alive somehow. In a drunk group B in Champions League. You had uh, Real Madrid falling to Shakhtar today, so the group is absolute madness. Uh, That's among many things we're going to talk about today. We're going to introduce our special guest here in a moment. Before we do that, uh, I'm Alex Dano. Let me introduce Jerry Mancini, my co-host. You can see the Lazio background, and if you're listening to the audio, you'll hear the jovial sound in his voice talking Lazio. Although, coming off the 3-1 loss to Udinese, I don't know if Jerry's that happy today. How you doing? Uh, I'm fine. I'm, uh, I'm not disappointed. We
1: lost to a better side. That's it. No excuse. Oh,
0: hold on. Oh, hold on. You can't mean that. We lost to a better side? Dude, Udinese. Come on. But You know what? They came
1: prepared. They, they had a good game plan. I, I think the biggest mistake was putting Cataldi in the middle and it's a bad matchup against, uh, Rodrigo de, de Paul. Um, a guy like Leva should have been playing, uh, Akba Akbro. Cataldi experiment, I feel has sailed and it's done. I know a lot of people like him because he's homegrown. comes from Lazio, Rome. He's blood and all that crap, but he just doesn't have that that step that edge that game where it will allow him to come in, replace a Milinkovic-Savic, or a Lucas Leva and, and kind of give something different. I don't, I won't fault Marco Parolo. I don't know why he started in the first place. Guys, 35 years old, played back-to-back games against Cortone in Serie A last weekend and the, the, the weekend prior. And then played in the midweek against, uh, Zenit in the Champions League. And then you put him in midfield. There's a lot of options on the bench. Uh, Escalante came back. He could have played half a half and you put Leyva the other half. Um, uh, it's not probably that, that same type of player you're looking for, but I would rather have him over Cataldi because Cataldi is more of a, he's not very good defensively in the first place. So he's creative and could have given something different along Luis Alberto so just just a team that really struggled to to advance in the midfield and that's really where where it started and you know what a lot of people are going to say well no a can't make top four a lot of this you know they're not they're not they're not the only team that's going to be losing games like this well I'm and a-
0: also Jerry they got off to a kind of a slow start last season and then they went on an unbelievable tear so it's like Nine match days into a Serie A season, I'm I'm not going to give the Scudetto yet to Milan, and I'm certainly not going to count Lazio out of top four. A lot can happen between now and match day 38.
1: Oh, absolutely! And I, you know, Since we're going to switch to a little topic here, and there's a tweet that from a guy who I know, and I won't say names, but I know Joe, Joe, Joe will know what I'm talking about from the Fortinopoli podcast. And his comment to Napoli versus Roma this past Sunday was, and we'll get our our, our special guest opinion on this one too because I love okay. to hear it, that it was fixed basically that they 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 were paid or they were just they didn't care Roma they just didn't show up and they gave Bro, the whoever week. said, they said they that is probably a flat earther. Like, what are you talking about? Are, are you are you cracked, man? <laughs> Nobody in the right mind, would just offer a win to anybody, especially as this is the second biggest derby for Roma and Napoli. So for me, I don't think no team would ever want to just offer the win. I think that Napoli was just the better side on Sunday.
0: Bro, whoever made that comment is probably a flat earther. They're in QAnon. like they believe anti-vaxxer anti-masker like a whoever said that lunatic all right let's let's bring on he's a Juve fan. fan of course of course L- let's bring on our special guest for this episode I, i've enjoyed his content for a long time uh from far from vesuvius Kubani is with us marco donofrio but we know him as Kubani. Kubani, thank you so much for taking the time how you doing
2: i'm good i'm good you give me far too much credit for uh for calling me special. Um, I I appreciate (laughs) you guys having me on, though, and you know what? I I look forward to chatting. And you know what, Jerry, whoever told you that? um, I really know it's nonsense. At the end of the day, like, a game that big, uh, I don't care who you are. When you're a professional athlete, you you don't throw, you know, Um, especially when there's so much on the line and still so early. And and you know what? A win for Roma would have been absolutely huge. So, again, just nonsense. And there's always nonsense
0: when it comes to city out, Yeah, And listen, I, I, I would go as far. Uh, certainly, the the whole that conspiracy is ridiculous. I mean, I, I could say that it would not surprise me if Napoli has been from rallying behind the death of Maradona. And, and maybe this is like added some adrenaline to them. I, I don't think that's a ridiculous thing to say. But the idea of like. Paying a team for a result, it's <laughs> that, that's a slippery slope. That... Or, or the fact that Roma is just fucking shit, and that their
1: record is just deceiving because well, I mean, they hadn't lost in how long before that game. They've been, the been flying lately. Look at the their their, their their schedule. Firstly, secondly, they've been struggling to now. Now you're going to start to see the depth issue to this to the squad where they couldn't buy players in the summer, and they they're not able to rotate. You're going to be overusing Jekyll. Jekyll looked like a dead person on Sunday. He didn't even look alive. The whole team looked so tired because when you're using the same roster, game in and game out, look, they they, they, they struggled against club uh, against Cluj in the midweek. week. And, and I was listening to Joe's podcast from Fortuna Napoli podcast, and he broke down their game, and they had to make like three or four substitutions at halftime was zero zero, and they struggled to even get a chance on that. So to me when I hear stuff like that it just shows that Roma long term is going to struggle when you have a 400 million dollar debt whatever the heck it is like 398 Freaking rest in peace to that team, man. That team is going to the shitters. That's where it's well, going.
0: Well, let me uh, – I wanted to ask uh Kubani, uh, you know, before we get into uh, some of the Maradona stuff and, and the amazing tributes, not only with Napoli but around world football, it's I've really been blown away by some of the stuff we've seen. Let's start on the pitch because, you know, Jerry brought up Roma's performance. Now, for Napoli, this was a huge win. I mean, big, big game against Roma, but also – uh, an excellent performance in a 4-0 victory. What what were the big things that stood out to you, Kubani, uh, of what Napoli managed to do well in that game?
2: Um, I think you did hit the nail on the head when you mentioned that it's not absurd to think that the death of Maradona really did inspire this team. I mean, there's no way Napoli can go into the San Paolo, sorry, the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona. yes. Sunday, exactly. There's no way you can go there on Sunday wearing those jerseys, playing Roma, and lose. It couldn't happen. Um, and, and you know what's crazy, by the way? And I need to point this out, because a lot of people don't even realize this. Napoli had planned to wear those jerseys all season long ahead of this Roma game. It just so happened that Diego Armando Maradona passed away the week of. So, that wasn't like that's a coincidence. Um and maybe it's not a coincidence. You know, life works in mysterious ways sometimes, but um people don't realize that this wasn't a last minute thing. This had always been planned. Um but they couldn't go into that game and not win. senior scores his first free kick goal in what, four years? Um it was just it was incredible to see. It was awesome. Um And it really was an inspirational performance. Now, take nothing away from the fact that, you know what, Jerry, you're right. Roma didn't play as good as we're used to them seeing, as they have played in recent weeks. And you're right. In a season like this, when you're really playing twice a week, depth is really important. And I think that's where Napoli differs this year from years of the past. This is the deepest, most talented squad in the De Laurentiis era. It really is. When you look at top to bottom, um, from the defense to the goalies to uh, your strikers, you have so much depth. Your midfield, you have a lot of depth here. And Gattuso's still kind of learning how to manage it, but he's getting better with it. And I really do think that that was a performance Napoli put on without Osman, right? He's still not available. And I do think that was a big loss against Milan earlier this year. But this is a Napoli team that, you know what, if you take away the the game with Juventus and who knows what will end up happening with that, this is a Napoli team that is right behind Milan. So it's going to be very interesting to see what this team does going forward. Uh, but it was, I think, a, a pretty good performance all around on Sunday and it's going to be, it's going to be interesting if Napoli can keep can be consistent because that's been the problem in the past, and it'll be interesting to see going forward if that's something that Coutinho manages to solve.
0: So l- let's get more into uh, just the impact that Maradona's passing has had. Um, it's at the time we taped this, it's been less than a week. We're taping this on Tuesday evening. It was late Wednesday morning when uh at least late Wednesday morning eastern uh time uh, we're all in the same time zone in in Europe afternoon South America what have you uh but when we found out that Maradona had passed it it was like a punch to the gut I I know that you know he had had uh, brain surgery not long before that but to to my understanding uh he was recovering from that this was this was a little bit out of left field to hear that he died. Um So, I mean, what was it like? um And you're obviously more dialed in with the Napoli supporters and, and what the response was like in the city over there. Cause I know what he means to Southern Italy. Uh, just w- what was it like collectively, Kubani, the Napoli community finding out that, you know, the greatest number 10 in the history of world football had passed.
2: Um, it, You know, I mean, it's hard to describe, right? You, you hear the news, and at first you don't want to believe it, um, especially because there's so much bullshit that goes out there, and that you see out there, um, and you want to make sure that it's real. And then you start processing it, and you're like, "Holy crap! This this is real." Um, and the outpour of emotion was just crazy. You get—I mean, everybody saw it, right? It wasn't just Napoli fans, it wasn't just Argentines, it wasn't just you know. Um, fans, it was fans of everybody. It was soccer fans, football fans, you know, people who just loved the game. Um, because this was a guy who, it's hard, there's not a single athlete today who meant as much to a city as and to a country as Maradona did to Napoli and to Argentina. There just isn't. You know, he was a savior. He really was... And, and I'll say I'll give credit to Grassi who put this in actually our stereo had yeah, group, is he said um Maradona was both a Batman and a joker. And it's true, right? He was a villain to a lot of people, just acts the English, right? He played that part, he told that line, but he was also that guy that, you know, fought for the poor, fought for the underdog. This was you know Napoli was a team. Think about that. Napoli was a team. Fighting to avoid relegation before he arrived, right? You had the biggest star in the world or one of the biggest stars in the world. And he chose to go to Annapolis to dethrone the Northern hierarchy. Like that just doesn't happen. That's a, that's a fairy tale. And so today you're seeing that reaction of what it means to lose that. You know, and yeah, listen, we we're not going to pretend that he didn't have his demons because he did, but now's was not the time to talk about it. And right. if you actually look at his story, it's quite tragic because this was a, a kid that grew up poor, who supported his family, and was used and abused by numerous people and by the game that he loved. Right, so it's just. It's such a complex story and and one that will be told and analyzed and studied for years. But for right now, let's just appreciate the genius that was Diego Maradona.
0: Well, and you know what? Um, There, there is one thing that I'd say uh, about the Demons because you, you hear a, a lot of people ask the hypothetical question, hey, he was arguably the greatest player of all time despite – all his demons and addictions and extracurriculars. Imagine what he could have been without that. But Kubani, I kind of look at it a different way, all right. And you know, certainly by no means would I, you know, uh, advocate for that sort of a lifestyle. But I do think that in the case of a guy like Madonna, I sort of look at a Madonna and a Mike Tyson type, and and that that that's kind of part of the entire package. Like I think you have to sort of accept the fact that. Without that stuff, he wouldn't have been Maradona. And again, I'm not. I'm not saying that that's a wonderful way uh, to live your life, but I, I. I don't know if he could have been what he was, even on the pitch, without that stuff. Because I think there are certain balances that different people just need to live their lives. And maybe if you had taken some of those things out of his life, he just wouldn't have been the same guy. Is that? Uh, I, I don't think that's a crazy thing to say, right?
2: I mean, to be honest, that's that's fair. And you know what? Who knows? Because neither one of us knew him well enough or knew the situation well enough to, to really kind of dig deep into that. Um, but you're right. Like he he was just, he was just such a character. And, and you're right. That kind of played into the character. He was the life of the party. He was the one, you know, singing the songs and dancing at the parties. And and that was him. So you're right. It was part of lifestyle and it's insane to think. I mean, you don't see that these days because athletes these days are groomed and trained at such a young age. And for the most part, especially here on this side of the pond, I mean, it's still a little bit different in Europe where, you know, things like smoking and stuff like that's still really prevalent in, in a lot of soccer players. Here, a lot of the, the Premier League, the Premier athletes, um, they're not, they're eating on strict diets. They're um, they're nutrition aware, they're sleep aware. There's just so many more things and factors that go into taking care of their body. That just didn't happen back then. This was a guy that just lived the life, partied, did, did a bunch of drugs three, four days a week and then sobered up to be ready for game day on Sunday, where he was still the best player on the pitch and, you know, carrying a city on his back. Right. And And, and uh, by the way, he, he went. A, he went and won a World Cup along the way. Yep. You know, like that's that's just so insane. And you know, people compare Messi to Maradona, and I'm not going to make that comparison on the pitch because it's impossible to do. You can never compare generations. It's just it's not there. Um, in any sport, it's just there's so many variables and so many differences. But off of the pitch, there is no question. That Maradona culturally will forever hold a higher place in, in so many people's hearts because of what he did off the, or what he represents. Like you go to Argentina and Maradona is just held on another level because of what he did for that country and because he won a World Cup. And you know what? It's, it's not necessarily fair to Messi because Had Higuain not missed that golden opportunity in the final, you know, it's a different story there. But I also just feel like Maradona just represented such a different aspect of life. You know, he, he grew up in the poorest part of Argentina and played in Argentina. We never really saw that from Messi, right? We never really saw... I mean, Messi was Barcelona's, right? Messi was always Europe's. Although he was Argentine, he was never really one of them and maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm not qualified to say that, but I just, I just feel like Maradona and is just on such another level in so many other regards despite everything that went on.
0: So. Yeah, and, 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 and Jerry, um, you know, I know that you're, you're very into. Literature and, and kind of studying not only tactics, but mindset of, of some of the great players. You know, you've read, uh, books on Ronaldo. You've read books written by great coaches. I mean, just your, your take on, you know, what made Maradona so great? Because I mean, for me personally and, and full disclosure, I'm, you know, I'm not really of the generation that watch Pele. So for me, you know, my, my first memories of truly seeing a profound footballer were Maradona and the guy, the guy was just a wizard, right? An absolute wizard. So I, I, I you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't grow up on Pele the way that some people who were a little older than, than you and I did, Jerry, but Maradona for me was always the gold standard. What do you think?
1: I like what Kubani said and, and he's right. Messi is Europe and Maradona is not Europe. He, he's South America and i'm looking at the stats like he said and he's no he's never played for another team in his his life uh messi and since his uh, i think his junior days with new all boys i think he started with and then you go look at Maradona's history and it's it's completely different it's argentinos juniors in the prim- primera from there it's boca juniors primera and then he goes to barcelona he goes to napoli he goes to Sevilla and then he goes back down to Argentina to go play with New All Boys and Boca Juniors. So his ties with 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 Argentina was there in the early days, and that's where it kind of grew with him in the city. And I was listening about the whole Napoli and, and I never actually like understood about why Maradona was so loved in Napoli because I never really read up on him until this you, week. You
0: got to watch that documentary. Have you watched the documentary yet? No, it's I so cool. Oh, it. You have to. It's so good.
1: And and I haven't, I, I started writing a tribute for Maradona this week. And everyone has a different story about him. And, and I kind of said, you know what? I'm a City Off fan. I'm going to focus it on Napoli. And, and, and I want to be more specific is that with Napoli, he went to a city that was poor. Poverty. They just, it, it basically, uh, uh, just like what Kubani said, it, he, he went through a life of what it, he understood what it meant to be poor and to be through the slums and all that. And he goes to Napoli and he, he goes to a team where it, it's in a dire need. It needs, it needs someone to really lift that club. And it was, it wasn't winning anything. It was just going downhill. And, he came off a poor season with Barcelona. His, his reputation had gone downhill, which I don't know his time with Barcelona. That's just based on what I've heard from podcasts, from his, his history. Goes to Napoli and he, you got what, 30,000 fans waiting for him outside the stadium, I believe, waiting to like greet him because they know who this guy is. Think about a city ready to embrace you. And you, you're embraced and you change the club. You bring Scudettos, you bring a, a, a Euro championship, uh, you, you, you brought the team back on the map. If it wasn't for Maradona, Napoli may not be on the map or be as successful as they are today. They may, they might even be a course for this team. So I've seen headlines in England where They say the hand of God is what saved him. Um, Handball. Cheater. First off, fuck you, I'm going to say. Because anybody in that situation, anybody in that situation who does that handball is never going to tell the referee. Right. And there's only one player, and I can't remember. I think it was a game, and I'm not saying because I'm a Latio fan. Maybe you know Kubani. I think it was Miroslav Klose. And it was versus uh, Napoli a few seasons ago. Yeah. He got a handball. He 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 got the handball, and he said, it went off my arm. He was class. class. But ask Connery what he did.
2: For what happened when the ball crossed the line. You know, so I get it. And you know what? I'm never going to judge an athlete for doing what they got to do in the moment because I don't know what I would have done. You right. know what I mean? And, and yeah. now it's a little bit of a
1: different time because you also got bars. You're not going to get guys like Close or or even Dries Mertens last year, where he uh, he said it went off his arm, and I, I forgot who it was on. It was on a Monday game, and I forgot who it was against. You may remember, but I remember Mertens saying it went off his arm, and and the play stopped, and then it resulted in going a goal against Napoli. But it was just. The respect that Merton shows, and you don't see that a lot, but it, it's different times, but back then, World Cup, quarterfinals, and the implication of that game, England versus Argentina, what had happened in 1981 in in, in the world, and like, like, it, there's just so much history, there's no, no one was ever gonna say, if that was Messi, I'll tell you right now, if you swapped that with Messi, Messi wouldn't say anything either. He would just keep going, and he would take that goal. You got the country on your side, the times of what what it meant to win. There's no way that he was going to admit to it. And you're right, the emotions, everything that's going on. But that's not what he should be remembered for. He should be remembered for what he did to the game, how he mm-hmm. changed the game, how he inspired so many players. I guarantee you Messi wouldn't be the player he is today maybe if it wasn't for Maradona. And many other players who I I feel that from generation to generation, you're right. You can't compare a Messi to a Ronaldo, sorry to a to a Maradona. But what you can what you can do is realize that if it wasn't for Maradona and what he did to the game, and prior to him another player, each each generation has allowed to evolve the game and and make players better. And that's what Maradona did. He really put this game on the map. He put football globally and, and just expanded everything from there.
0: Well, and and Jerry, you hit it on the head because, um, when, when we lose someone like this, I, I like to reflect on that person based on their impact on society and the way they inspired people, right? And you, you brought up people trying to now put the cheater label on him and, it drives me batshit crazy when you see people online, attention seekers, right, trying to shit on that man's entire legacy because oh, you didn't like the hand of God, and then you know holier than thou people will will talk about you know the uh, the addiction issues and try to judge this guy. Jerry, we saw a lot of the same stuff. For example, after Kobe Bryant passed away, you know, people mm-hmm. trying to you know tear down everything um I'll, I'll say that there's not been a single human being on this planet who's ever been perfect okay um you're gonna have to take some good and some bad with everyone uh, and when it comes to a guy like maradona if you you talk about the literally millions of people he has inspired for what two three generations going back to his prime um i i want to judge that man Judge is not even the right word, right? Because that, you know, the word judge sounds judgy, okay? But I am going to reflect on the impact that he had on society, and not oh, people nitpicking a couple things about this man that they that they didn't like. So yeah, I, I thought you said it well on that, and you know, I, I want to bring it back uh, to to modern day Napoli, um, and obviously Kobani, you had you had brought up the uh, you know the tough situation of the the three nil forfeit to Juventus and the extra point docked. Um what, what can you tell us I I guess without getting you know too in depth on legal jargon but about the appeal process do you think there is a shot that Napoli can get something out of that at least maybe getting the point deduction overturned where are we on that
2: Um I do think there is a shot I think they were always going to get to this point regardless now they're at the point where they're at with Coney who oversees the FIGC so this is you know the final, the final step before you go civil route, and I don't think you want to go the civil route. So you're at the highest courts now, right? So we're we're gonna see what happens. I I do think there is a realistic opportunity here because there's been precedent set. Um, but again, to be fair, I don't know what really happened behind the scenes. I, Dealer has done some incredible things for Napoli and he's really built this team up and I really firmly believe that. But I also wouldn't put it past him to do some shady things behind the scenes. Like, I don't know. Um, and I don't think anybody does, to be fair. Uh, I think fans are so quick to, you know, defend their team or argue for this way or that way when we don't know. If in the courts they prove that Napoli really couldn't travel and in all fairness, it probably wasn't a good idea for them to travel considering they had confirmed COVID cases. Um, and if they're being told not to go, and if that was the case, then this is absurd. It really is. But again, I I can't say for sure one way or another if that's really what happened. I like to think so, but we're going to find out. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see. And uh, it's once that Coney decision comes down, uh, then we're going to really go forward. I think in all fairness, I um, I, honestly I can't say I have any clue. I was gonna say I was I was gonna say one way or another, but I have no clue. And this is Italy, yeah. and in Italy anything can happen. Um but I just think overall, for the optics of the league, it would just be so bad. It really would, if if this upholds. I mean, imagine Juventus wins the scudetto by a point.
1: You know
2: what I mean? Because it like it just it would be so insane to even think about. Um, so I don't know. I, I really don't know what's going to happen, but that's the point where they're at. They're with Kony right now, and um, I don't know when that date is. I, there, there could be a date set already. I, I really don't know. Um, but that's that's the stage you're at. And From there we go forward, but Napoli does play Juventus in the Super Copa come January. So
0: bring mm-hmm. it on. So let's uh we had a couple of Italian teams in action in Champions League today uh Inter getting a 3-2 nail-biting victory over Mönchengladbach. Uh, Atalanta and Michelin had a 1-1 draw. Uh, in a minute, when we go over that one, we're going to really lean on Kubani because he watched a lot of the Atalanta game. Jerry and I didn't. Uh, so let, let's start with... uh
1: shit about Atalanta.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you, you're the biggest Atalanta hater I'm, on Calcio Twitter. But let's start, Jerry and, and Kubani, with... Uh, with Inter uh, today, uh, it's it's really reached a point, and obviously you guys know that I'm an Interista. My expectation levels for this squad, especially this year, I go into every match not having any clue what to expect. Okay, uh, I don't talk any trash because I don't know if we're going to get you know the version of Inter that you know showed up for the first half against Torino or if we're going to get the version that showed up against Sassuolo and, and Inter in champions league have especially been poor up until this point. So going into Germany to face Gladbach, I had zero expectation heading into the match. I just, I, I wanted to see Inter fight and play hard and they, they did play with, with urgency, uh, which I appreciated. Um, Romelu Lukaku, absolute monster. You know, he scored two goals today, was decisive in the match. He said afterwards that, uh, he's playing the best football of his career over the past 18 months. I, I think it's hard to argue that. Um, you know, for as much as I have complained at times about the job Antonio Conte has done, there's been some good and some bad with him. Um, the work that he does with Lukaku and the way Lukaku thrives in Conte's formation, there, there's no denying that. I mean, he's, he's been, he's been invaluable with Inter. He's also been playing very well uh, with Belgium in recent international breaks. So you give him credit for that as well. This has been an incredible week for Matteo Darmion. Um, you know, Darmion who, you know, played really well against Sassuolo at the weekend, especially defensively on Jeremy Boga. And then in this match against Gladbach, he scores the opening goal, really put in a good match. And it's kind of making things complicated with Ashraf Hakimi, who's been on the bench the last couple of days. I did like though, seeing Hakimi come on as a substitute and assist. On the third goal uh, to Lukaku, it was three one at the time, but that ends up holding up as the game winning goal. I think that getting the assist on that play uh, is probably going to help Hakimi's confidence a little bit if that's been wavering. You know, Jerry, you and I were talking on, on the phone earlier. Um, you know, and I, I went back because uh, at, at, at the time, right after the match, I had only seen bits and pieces of it because I was working. I went back and watched it, and you hit the nail on the head that the two goals given up by Inter were really you chalk it up to mistakes. Uh that kid uh Playa is excellent for Gladbach. He nearly had a hat trick today. There was nobody marking him at the back post when he scored that header in the first half. Uh in the other goal given up, Alexis Sanchez had a piss poor giveaway that directly resulted in that goal. On, you know, when Playa thought he had the hat trick, I think VAR rightfully disallowed that goal. And for once in my life, I'm actually standing up for VAR. In fact, I want the machines to completely take over. I want a Terminator-type scenario. I'm ready to let Skynet step in. I'm so happy with the VAR today. Um, I thought Brozovic was very good in this match. It was nice to see him back. The sliding challenge that he had late in the game was really clutch, you know, to be able to cleanly win the ball and not give up a penalty. Uh, and I know, Jerry, you wanted to make sure I hit this, and I want to take your comments as well. Um, If if we're going to rip on your guy Galliardini for that awful miss that he had last summer against Sassuolo, we also need to rip on Ashley Young. I mean, Ashley Young had a gift completely unmarked at the far post on a deflected ball. From his positioning, it looked like it would have been easier to score than not to score. He completely misplayed. Now, you know, maybe thrown off a little bit by the deflection, but he completely misplayed it and sent it wide of the net. So that was a miss on par with what Gallardini did, you know, back in the summer against Sassuolo. So, so if we're gonna if we're gonna give Gags trouble, we should be giving Ashley Young trouble for that miss. But you know, Jerry, what were your impressions on the match? Anything else to add to that?
1: Uh, you know what. I love Brozovic. I'm sorry, I, I, I'm i going to get chirped so hard, but how does one or, or, or certain bad plays peg out a, a player's career as being so bad? I think he's been really tremendous this season, has really had a good season, and that second goal doesn't happen if it's not for Galliardini. He he steals the ball in midfield. I don't I forgot who it's off, but he creates the whole play. And no, he does not foul him. I, I feel he doesn't foul as he wins the ball. Like it it's a it's a superb effort. He makes a good challenge, he wins possession, it goes upfield, it gets him back in the game. They they, they get the 2 1 lead at that point. And near the near the in, in injury time he makes a beautiful challenge right by uh the byline, and he prevents a corner kick. Right for for Marisha, Barisha Manchiglavatch. Like those are little things that Galliardini does in a game where people need to notice. Yeah, he doesn't always score the flashy goals, and yeah, sometimes he should have buried goals last season when they were there. And I don't. Even if he did hit that goal last year, I don't think they would have. Uh, they could have clinched uh, City at the Scudetto, but at that time, it didn't matter because Juventus was already at far out of reach. But anyways, that's not even the point. point is, he had a good game, and I like his effort. This is a guy who keeps on running hard. He doesn't stop. He does the little things, and he complements well with Barella and Brozovic in the midfield. And the way they had played today, I would really think about not putting Vidal next week in, in the lineup. And I agree. Keep- I just think that Vidal and Brozovic offer a similar type of game where Barella blends in well. He He's really good at those crisp passes, advancing the ball upfield. Brozovic is really good at challenges. He can control the play. He he, he controls the tempo of the game. And then Galliardini is, is just that guy who mops everything up and does the extra gritty, nitty stuff that has to pick up the slack of something. Like, the. It's just, just a blend there, and with and I and I think that Vidal has been good this season. Uh, aside from his his rant, uh, and people are a little critical on him that she never got him. This is what uh, Vidal in what a waste of a signing, and everyone so critical after one bad game. Vidal overall has been good this year, but if these three really controlled the, the midfield today and really did a good job. And it wasn't their fault that two goals were were conceded by Inter. Two terrible giveaways. Terrible yeah. giveaways. The last five minutes of the first half, Inter went shutdown mode. I'd never seen such disgusting buildup from the back end and just repeatedly just turn over the ball over and over and over again. Just looking so slow and no progression going up and it was just, it went shut off mode for 40 minutes. They looked really good. And then all of a sudden they just stopped playing from the back. And it was like, they couldn't even get through the midfield. And then the second one, Sanchez, I don't know what the fuck he's trying to do in the midfield, trying to get around. What
0: two, two players, I believe he gets. He was thinking too much. Like I think he was, uh, I, I think he was trying to like very slowly build possession.
1: No, no, there's no possession. He was just trying to get around in, in no man's land, and he got he got caught. And Martín uh, good game again. You know why a lot of people are gonna say, "Well, Darmiani started over Hakimi. What a terrible signing, Hakimi." He not keeps working. playing like that. <laughs> He's gonna keep starting. It's not. It's not a good signing, Hakimi. Forty million. Oh, no, no, it's it's you're playing the best player right now, and a lot of people are not realizing Syria is not a joke of a league it is a very tactical and you got to be very mentally smart you it's that's as as it goes there's a lot of players that are struggling to adapt to the Syria, and it's just not hakimi he's not the first he won't be the last uh we saw lazaro last year who plays with gladbach now um i, I can't come on to the top of my head maybe kubani can Really on that, but I, I just think that Hakimi's gonna need time. We saw what he can produce. the The Bundesliga is a step below Serie A. Well,
0: it's a completely not, different style of play, too.
1: It's very offensive minded. I think there's not. I don't think it's as, as, as tactically and as defensively minded, and that's how I look at it. Um, and Darmiani got, got signed this summer too. Let's remember that. And it's good to see that for in an Inter um aspect that you want to see Darmiani coming in for Hakimi and can and can pick up the slack when it's not going when his form is kind of poor. This is good because now all of a sudden Conti wanted this guy, praised about him, brought him over from Parma, and look, he's driving now. So I think this is a win-win actually. If I'm an Inter fan. Huh? You got a Hakimi, you know who he can what he can provide. Yeah, right now his form's not the best. He'll get back there. All of a sudden you got Darmiani coming in, and all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, this guy, this guy's got City experience. We forgot about what he can do. He he can fill that void. So this is this is a good thing going forward for Inter. I think the only bad thing that's ever happened to Inter in the summer
0: was signing Kolarov. That's the biggest. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and we saw that one from a mile away. We knew that would be bad. And, and real quick, and then I want to. Bring Kubani back in on this conversation before we wrap up uh, this episode. Uh, Inter still in last place in Group B, but they do have a chance to go through um, into the knockout stages on uh, the final group stage match day next week when they go up against Shakhtar. So Inter would need to beat Shakhtar. And the other game between Real Madrid and Mönchengladbach, cannot end in a draw. So one of those teams has to win, so you have to worry about a biscotto, potentially. One of those teams have to win, and Inter has to win in order for Inter to go through. So, you know, knowing Inter, something ridiculous is going to happen. They're either going to, like, give up a, a game tying goal, it, like, with, you know, in, in the dying seconds, or or you're going to end up winning the game and then Real Madrid and Gladbach are going to end up drawing. So, I'm, I'm you know, you never know what's going to happen there. Uh, but I, I want to bring in Kubani on this, and you know, I, I know you'd mentioned to us that, uh, you watched a lot of the Atalanta game, which is good because Jerry and I didn't. So, uh, first, did, did you catch any of Inter today? A- and if not, you can go, uh, go right into Atalanta Michelin, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on both.
2: Um, I did. I, I, I flipped between the two. Um, and in regards to Inter, I mean, it was such a, like a, an Inter performance. It really was. It, it, it's huge that they got the win and Lukaku, I mean, He's clutch when he needs to be. He really is. I I really like him. I do. And I like this team. They have the potential, but I I disagree with Jerry. I don't think Vidal's been very good. I really don't. I think he's a liability. I also think that the one Conte legacy, the lasting legacy of this team potentially could be not signing Tonali in order to, to bring in Vidal because Um, They showed the ultimate faith and trust in Conte. And right now, I mean, he's underperforming. He really is. Today was a big win. Don't get me wrong. Um, But we need to see some consistency. We need to see a team that should be competing for a Scudetto. Right? There's a team from Milan in first place right now, and it's not the team that should be. Right. Uh, And and that's the truth. This is a, a team that's stacked with talent. And I don't know what the problem with Ericsson is. I, I, I don't know if that's a Conte issue or if that's a, an Ericsson problem. I really don't. Um, but but that just shouldn't happen. You know, you, that stuff needs to get resolved. And we saw, we saw what happened with Napoli last year um, with the mutiny. And I just think that this is – and I'm not saying they're anywhere near there. But this is just such a good team loaded with talent. I don't think – you know, having a problem with whether Kimi starts or not, I don't think that's a problem because having depth is huge. It's just getting consistent results, and that's what's not happening for this team. Today's yep. a good place to start. Um, they got to get better defensively because those goals, like you guys alluded to, just can't happen. It's just sloppy. Um, but if you could solve those issues, which ideally Conte is the guy to do, but... I just, I'm starting to lose faith because when he came in, I thought it was huge. And I thought this was a team that was going to win a Scudato. And this is the year that, you know, last year was a year and nobody took advantage. And this is another year where this is not the same event aside as we saw in years past. So the, there, the opportunity to dethrone them is there. I'm just curious to see if anybody takes it. Um And then, you know, you talked about the Atlanta game. I, I, I watched that as well. Today, I mean, um, and it was a performance where it doesn't kill them because ultimately their Champions League fate was always going to come down to the last game of the season against Ajax. You know, they're a point ahead of them. They're going into, um, you know, Amsterdam looking for a victory or a draw to get through in their group, and that would be huge if they do um they should have won today they couldn't take advantage of their opportunities they couldn't score and you know credited mjolin uh, i i still don't know if i'm saying that right i know we talked And about I don't know either i can't
0: correct you i couldn't correct you if i wanted to <laughs>
2: um but you know what credit for credit them for getting a, a goal early and you know holding the lead for most of the game and you know what um it'll be interesting i i think for me to see how Atlanta continues to juggle multiple competitions, because again, this is a year with a condensed schedule where, you know, it's always tough to play European games as well as Serie A because Serie A, you know, Jerry, you mentioned as well, it's a tough tactical league. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So you're playing well. Multi- and, you know, look at Juventus when they arrest a guy like you, Ronaldo, they can't even beat the Benevento. So, this is a long season to begin with, and it's condensed. So you're playing so many games. These players are being driven. Um, so um They've got so many kilometers, so many miles on their bodies right now that uh, the wear and tear. And that's why depth, again, is so important. So it, it's going to be very interesting to see how a team like Atlanta adapts going forward because I just don't know if they're going to be a team that's going to be able to finish – you know, in a top four spot, like so many had hoped for, and many people were predicting a scudetto run, but they just they don't have the depth, and we're seeing that right now. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can get the job done against Ajax and go through in the Champions League, because they really are prioritizing that, which is fascinating as well. Yeah,
0: that's a great point that you don't often see a club in Atalanta's position prioritizing Champions League over even Serie A, but I guess that they're they're. Uneven start in SETI Ah probably necessitates that right now. Uh you know, Jerry, since you're the biggest Atalanta fan on this panel, your your prediction, do they go through?
1: No, they don't. No. <laughs> no, they when you don't when you I'm a firm believer you gotta win the games that you need to win. And today was that game. And At, Atalanta is just not the team that they were seasons prior. And, and they don't have that spark. They don't have that mojo. And Kubani is right. They don't have depth. What did they do so special in the, in the transfer market this past summer? They made shits boats load of money and they didn't buy anybody like, like ready now to play. You know what I mean? Someone who can step in to replace certain players in their midfield and, and defense. I think their defense is not, is worse than what it was before. I know Christian Romero scored today. Guy's a liability in the back. You mean, you, you'll get two good games from him, but you're ready to get a red card from him. The guy was fouled the most last season with the most yellow cards. Um, I know they got Lammers, I believe. Um, they, they, I forgot who else they have. Uh, he played on Saturday against, um, who did they play this past weekend, Alex? Um, now I just went blank. Who, who did Ooh, they be? Who did can't they lose, remember too? either? Freaking, maybe Kubani can help me. Freaking, I just went blank and I gotta look for it. But, um, their, their performance this past weekend didn't look inspiring. It looked really lackluster. They tied, uh, Hell is Verona.
0: That's right. Yeah. They
1: lost to Verona and they just they didn't bury their chances. They had chances. Duvon Zapata missed his chances. Um, I'm pretty sure there are other players. This, This is a team who's always been known to be clinical, decisive, and capitalize on their opportunities when it presents it to them. And when they don't capitalize, they don't score on their limited chances, that's when they really, it really hurts them. So I think in the long term, in the long run, it's going to be really difficult for this team to repeat what they've done in past seasons. I really believe that the, they did a really good job selling some of the young players, making money. Uh, I forgot who they sold. Chiori, I believe his name is, or the, the young 18-year-old. They made 30 million on him. They, they, their, their, their group stage last year for Champions League covered their whole team uh, salary. Okay. And they made profit on top of that. And for me to not even see them buy players to, to, to make their squad better is just, Really gives me question marks, and I know people are gonna call me. Well, they did this and they did that. They bought these young guys, and yeah, you can only have so many young guys. Mojica is the guy, just came to my head. Mojica right. comes on, and like that, 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 that doesn't inspire me. I watched him on Saturday against Verona. He doesn't inspire me though. Like this is not a, a difference maker against a Liverpool or a Man City when you gotta play these big teams. Like it's, I'm just I don't like their defense, and then there's just something about this team that is really even Ilicic I know that he's starting to get his game back but he doesn't seem like the same player like he was before in my opinion
0: what well, do you I think, think? That, yeah no I, I agree with that uh so I I think with that said we'll we'll close out this episode huge thanks to Kabani for joining us and and man use this opportunity my friend if there's anything you want to plug where people can find your work and your pods the floor is yours
2: Oh, I appreciate it, man. I, honestly, you guys are awesome. I appreciate you having me on. I really do. I always love talking Seriat. You. you can always find my work at Far From Vesuvius at Stereo Seriat, uh, um, and 360 Magazine, Soccer 360. So, all of the sources.
0: Love it. And, and Jerry, anything to plug? I know you've been working on a lot of pieces lately.
1: Yeah, hashtag FreeKubani. You guys, you piece of shit. Forgot about that, eh? <laughs> I, I'm calling you both out, freak
2: man. Freak Cubani! No, I appreciate that. Hashtag fucking free Cubani. I, uh, I got a notification that I'm still losing my battle, so I, I think oh. I lost my appeal. I I don't know if there's a Coney court I could go to, like a higher court <laughs> that will listen to me. Uh, but yeah, you know what, like, fuck the Bundesliga. You know, I, I thought I was doing you fuckers a favor, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, it hurt. It really, really did. And I still haven't found the motivation, in all honesty, to create another account. I really haven't. So. Why don't you
1: just start a handle? Kubani is back.
2: Kubani is back. We'll see. We'll see if I, uh, I gotta, I gotta find that inspiration. It just hasn't happened. It really hasn't. And you know what? I was hoping maybe a, a, a TFC MLS Cup run would maybe make that happen. And, and clearly that wasn't the case either. So, it is what
1: it is. You're smart to not be on Twitter. Don't worry, man. I think you probably have more sanity now.
2: You're right, hundred percent. I was saying that to somebody the other day.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, Twitter gives me stress, man. When I gotta see the stupid comments on Twitter, man. A lot of things that people say, just I don't know. They just say out of spite to piss people off, or what it is. Sometimes I just don't want, even want to be on the platform. But... Wait,
0: wait, Jerry, Jerry, my my advice to you, like you you gotta let that shit slide off your back because you notice the meanest people on twitter especially in calcho twitter are usually people who have fake names and avatars without a photo of them you have no idea who these people like seriously like if somebody like that is talking crap to me it does not bother me one iota because dude this guy could be like the biggest ugliest nerd on the planet living in their mom's basement just hurling shit against the wall to try to piss you off uh, You know, because you, you know what I'm saying, right? That usually the meanest people on Twitter are the ones where you can't see their face. You know, mm-hmm. they've got an avatar of their favorite footballer and they've got some nickname. You have no idea who this person is. And chances are they're probably going to get kicked off Twitter and then create a new burner like the next day. Like you have no idea. Do not let that stuff bother you, man. But make sure you follow Jerry, who who you can actually see his face here. Uh, even though I think you see Cheeto on <laughs> his avatar, but I I can back Jerry up. Jerry is a real person. You can follow him on Twitter at jmancini8. You can follow me at Alex Dono. Uh, make sure you follow the show at CalchoCon Pod. Make sure you subscribe. Tell your friends. Give us a five star rating. Uh, you know, listen to every episode. We appreciate, we appreciate everyone's support. So huge thanks again to Kubani for Jerry. I'm Alex. We'll talk to you guys next time on another episode of the Calcho Connection Podcast. Ciao.